0: welcome to the companion chapel my name is mike coming to you from the great lakes area of beautiful ontario canada on this rainy friday march 26th day 221 we're starting a new book today, the book of Hebrews, divine inspiration penned by the Apostle Paul himself, not only for believers, but also aimed at waverers. First, please consider your part in the many membered body of Christ. Participate in glorifying, magnifying, and broadcasting God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of supporting post media solutions by way of your time or money contributions. God's Word being taught cover to cover, chapter by chapter, verse by verse requires advertising and a functioning website suitable for search and social audience. Whatever God-given talent you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. God's blessings will abound on you and yours. Give it up for God at CompanionChapel.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com. Your gift of as little as $10 a month or $0.30 a day enables me to bring you a Bible teaching podcast a day, every day. You're encouraged to send your biblical questions or prayer requests to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com or come by for a Bible study to number 338 Side Road 28 slash 29 Paisley, Ontario, Canada N0G2G0 or call or text 509-706-8876 Now turn with me in your Bibles, please, to the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. This means many times and many ways. He spake unto the the fathers by the prophets. That's his word, their pen, and it's all recorded for us in this great book, the Bible. Verse 2 hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. He spoke to us by the Lord Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son. He's our teacher, our master, our rabbi. He's our wonderful counselor, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also he made the worlds. This word worlds is eon in the Greek, and it means ages. And we're talking about not only this age that we're in now, the flesh age, but in the age to come, the millennium period, and the and the eternity. That's his, He's heir to all that. That's his inheritance, and you want to be part of that. Verse 3, Who being the brightness of his glory, and the expression image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right-hand side of the majesty on high. That's God on high, and how did Jesus Christ purge our sins? Because he had power over sin. He did not sin. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in the Lord Jesus Christ. He was blameless. He did not sin. That means he had power over it. That's how he that's how He defeated death. He defeated sin. When we sin, that means the sin has power over us. For example, if you live in uh, a prison of alcohol or drugs and you give into it, well, those things have power over you. Jesus Christ has power over all those things and we can be reconciled in him through that. There's a reconciliation at the crucifixion was when he gave us power over our sins. If we choose to go through him, through Jesus Christ, we have to reconcile ourselves to coexist in harmony with our Heavenly Father. Through Jesus Christ, it is up to each individual to make themselves compatible in order to reunite with God for the eternity. And that's why he did the cross. He set up a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. It's called heaven. And it is legit and valid. Because if, if Jesus Christ sinned, it wouldn't be legit. Whatever sin he did, he'd have to let that sin in. And, and therefore, that didn't happen. Okay, so Jesus Christ did that for us. He purged our sins when we repent in him. That's God reconciling himself to us. And we have to reconcile ourselves through Jesus Christ. To coexist in harmony with our heavenly father for the eternity, for being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Look at the names of Jesus Christ. In this book we're gonna go over some of his names like Melchizedek, the King of the Just. No angels called that. No angels called Emmanuel God with us. No angels called the righteous right arm of Yahweh. No angel is called the mediator to Father. No angel is called our rock. That's where we get our stability. These are all names of Jesus Christ, our savior. No angel is called the Sabbath, which means when translated, our rest. We rest in him daily. We Sabbath daily. No angel is called our comforter. That's where we find our comfort from the ways and things of the world that cause anxiety, fear, worry, and uh, and anything that the egotism can come up with the selfish and, and uh greed and gluttony ways no we have comfort over those things we have comfort over the prisons that we will put ourselves in like sensual us uh, drugs and booze or uh, anxieties worries and fears or entitlements okay other other titles for jesus christ more excellent name would be uh, the jesus christ itself which means Jesus Christ is Yahshua Messiah, which means salvation of Yahweh. He is the salvation ministry of our Lord God. Jesus Christ is our sacred teacher, our master, our rabbi. He is our wonderful counselor, one of his sacred names. He is wisdom personified. There's another sacred name. And people have said to me in many letters, well, wisdom in the Bible is feminine. Shekomo, in Proverbs 8. Well, let me tell you something about that. If you want to get into uh, the original language, all the verbs constructing up to uh, the word chicomo or uh, wisdom are masculine. And these are things God possesses. He possesses the Holy Spirit. He possesses wisdom. He possesses understanding. He possesses counsel. He possesses knowledge. And he possesses strength. And one possession, he will share those with you, but, he will, but you can never ask for the last spirit, the spirit of reverence which is fear of the Lord, which in translated properly means reverence. The spirit of reverence belongs to the Lord. And these are names of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there's many more names throughout the Bible. But uh, excellent names. Okay, Obtained a more excellent name. Yeah, he's the only begotten. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee? None of them. There's your answer. That was a question. He's the only begotten. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Now this, you could read a lot about this in Psalms chapter 2. And if you want to know Jesus Christ's position, just read Revelation chapter 1. And I'll just read one quick little verse out of there for you. Jesus Christ, our faithful witness and first begotten of the dead. Because he's the only one that defeated death. He's the only one that came to life out of death. And now through him we can come to life out of death. Okay, so there's a lot of sacred names. There's a titles here. There's a hierarchy. He is the first, most, foremost, and first most of importance. He's he's the divine governorship of our Lord God, our Father. Verse six. And again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. Yeah, you know, we worship our Lord Jesus Christ because we glory him. We glory the cross. We trust him to. We trust in Him, or we won't be trusted. We confide in Him, or we can't abide in Him. We believe in Him, or there's no relief from the ways or things of the world. The press, as it's written in uh, the book of Zechariah, yeah, we're being pressed out here. It's a pressing time. There's a lot of pressure. But Jesus Christ, also in this book, you'll see one of His sacred names, is He became our Passover. We pass over the ways and things of the world, and how does Jesus Christ help us with that? He feeds us with the bread of life, and He quenches our thirst with the living waters. That means we don't hunger or thirst after the ways or things of the world anymore. We don't worry about it. When people are going to come against you, Jesus Christ said, "Offenses will come against you." Yeah, people are going to come up on you, man, like just in every which possible conceivable way. Jesus Christ gives us power over that. So just just shake off the dust, He says in in uh, the Gospels. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits. That's right. When we're in the celestial body, when we're done with this flesh body, instantly in the celestial body. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Okay. We're in one body or the other. We're not laying in the hole in the ground, dead. God is the God of the living, not the dead. Angels are spirits. And his ministers, that's me and you, a flame of fire. That's us in the terrestrial body, this flesh body. We're a flame of fire, but God calls us stars. Our little life force shines forth. And as it's written, Jesus Christ says, don't hide the candle under the mattress. Don't hide the candle somewhere where people can't see it. Get the light to shine forth. Jesus Christ is the light, and the light is the truth. And the truth is a great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. Be a minister of a flame of fire. When you have the light, that means you have a working knowledge of God's word. You, God's word is unassailable. It answers every logical and moral objection conceivable to mankind. It answers every question, every grievance. We have to think about this. When, we're, when somebody comes up on you and they're talking about their system of beliefs outside of God's Word. We have the advantage because we always have a linear progression towards the truth because we have the standard. And the standard is a consistent thought pattern of a higher power written in the councils of eternity. It's a principled belief. Mankind, it is impossible if you're bound by the primitives of being human you have an inconsistent thought pattern. That means unprincipled beliefs. That's why we turn to Jesus Christ. He is our rock. He is our stability. He is our chief principle. He is our captain, as it's written in the. Uh, it'll be written in this book of Hebrews. Mankind has unprincipled beliefs, like everybody, including myself. We've all changed our minds. Even the smartest person on planet Earth has changed his mind about something. That's inconsistent thought pattern, and that leads to unprincipled beliefs. And that means every time, every time that you're talking to somebody. And, and they're thinking with their own thoughts patterns. Let's just say it like this. Human nature and boundaries make it not possible for any human to be consistent in their thinking patterns. This is why humanity has been unable to govern themselves without conflict. Inconsistent principles reveal the history to date of mankind. Unpr- unprincipled, unreliable, untrustworthy. We have to think like this too. Humans, humans have a boundary. We have a space and time boundary too. We don't understand space and we don't understand time. No matter what some pseudo scientist comes up with and, and creates a nice documentary about this, Any anyone who challenges or contends God's word, like happens to me all the time, all around me, is stating their own principled, their own principles based on human reasonings. Eventually, they will contradict themselves because there is no linear progression towards the truth. They have to hit theories, hypothesis, and pseudoscience. Okay, so that's just what we're talking about. Ministers, a flame of fire. We shine the light of Jesus Christ. We give power to the Lord. The Lord gives us power. And we become literally pillars in the temple of Jesus Christ, our Lord, after this age, after the flesh age. We become part of the, the structural fabric of the pillar of God. He needs us to be a flame of fire. Don't let someone quench out your flame. Get the truth into you. Uh, Eight, but unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. This word scepter is rod. It's the same as as in verse 1 or 2.17 of Revelation, I think, or 2.27, I think it's 2.27. We'll read that. And he shall rule over them with a rod of iron. As the vessel of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I have received of my father. He shall re- he shall rule with a rod of iron. It doesn't mean he's going to chase people around with a, with a piece of rebar. Jesus Christ cleans the house like he did when he was walking in the flesh. This is an example of the rod of iron. He walks into supposedly the house of God, and it's, they've turned it into a den of thieves. So Jesus Christ shows us with the rod of iron. He, he, is he, fabricates this weapon out of a cat of nine tails, which just means like a whip out of some foliage outside that outside the church. And he goes in there. He flips tables. He starts picking fights. And he walks up to the clergy, and says, "You are of the father, your devil." But those were money changers' tables. There would have been. A lot of money just laying around the church that meant nothing to Jesus Christ. He had power over that. He had power over greed and gluttony. He didn't tell his disciples, hey, pick this up, money, and let's run out of here. No, he just walked right over it. Got those people out. Hey, I'm cleaning house, Jesus Christ was teaching. I'm going to cleanse my house. That was preliminary and partial because clearly the houses of God are still polluted on the planet today. They're full of greed and gluttony and, and pastors not teaching the Bible. Pastors just using the Bible as a book of quotes and leaving all their congregation just biblically illiterate. But Jesus Christ went in there, he flipped tables, all the money, just all the change all over the floor. There'd be thousands of dollars. Just walked right over. He didn't tell his disciples to pick it up. No, he he walked to the front, opened the Bible, and started teaching God's Word because He was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's our teacher, our master, our rabbi. Always watch every gesture, every move, every word that Jesus Christ did for teaching. And in the end, he's going to rule with a rod of iron. There's nothing that's going to get past this rod of iron of his. He will not accommodate evil into the kingdom of heaven. He didn't go up on that cross for some sideshow just so someone can come up to him and negotiate their way into heaven. Hey, you know, I got a ton of money here, Jesus Christ. Like, look at the stuff I've done. You know, here's, uh, here, I'll shoot you, uh, you know, X amount of dollars, let me in. No, you can't buy salvation. You can't buy respect. You can't buy love. The kingdom of heaven is, is all about love. That Jesus Christ went up on that cross. That was an act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension. You can't buy your way in. It has to come from the heart. He puts that scepter down, and that's it. You can't get past it. You can't negotiate past it. In fact, you end up beating yourself up with it because you just keep thinking that your ways of thinking, your unprincipled beliefs, your inconsistent thought pattern is the truth. And Jesus Christ is going to let you know. Hey, you can come into heaven, or you think your ticket's stamped because you bought it, or because you think a certain way. No, you're not going to negotiate your way into heaven. I'm not going to make concessions for you. Depart from me. I never got to know you. You never got to know me, as it's written. And that'll be a great time of sadness. That's gnashing of teeth and wailing and gnashing of teeth. People think they know better. They think they've heard something about God's word, and they think, well, upon the hearsay that I know, well, upon the hearsay means nothing. That's what's written here. It's one book. you got like 40 years to learn it. Like Get it into you. Be somebody. Okay, verse 9. And thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Righteousness. He's, he is righteousness. Therefore God, even like God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above all fellows. That's, that's Jesus Christ, Yeshua Messiah. The first and foremost in the hierarchy. When you say Jesus Christ, you're saying the anointed one. Christ or Messiah means the same thing. Anointed one. Who's anointed by Father to come down and reconcile us to him. And we have to reconcile reconciling himself to us through Jesus Christ and we have to reconcile ourselves to coexist in harmony with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. That's an individual thing. Reunite with God for the eternity. You can't bring any corruption guile, malice or sin in with you. You have to let it go. It has no value. All the unforgiveness, all the thinking that you're owed or blame or finger pointing you have to let it go because it has no value. It has a negative value. It's gonna land your butt in hell. And then you can just keep on arguing about it for the eternity. Well, until Great White Throne judgment. You know, and we'll and people that are on the good side of heaven will be sitting there pointing and saying, Listen, man, just let it go. Come over and be with us. Nothing on the good side of heaven will feel any elation over people suffering. Nobody on the good side of heaven will feel. Happiness for other people's downfalls, faults, and miseries. We'll be praying our little hearts out. That you people just let it go. It has no value. So what? Someone ripped you off. What we do? Consider human frailty. Forgive as God forgives. God forgives and forgets the sin. He never rubbed your face in it. He'll never go, 13 years ago, you know what? You did forever ago. You know what you did? Well, you know what? Consider human frailty and forgive. You can carry that sin all you want. Jesus Christ has forgiven me and I've let it go. Sorry. When it's a perfect world, let me know. Okay? Whenever you don't ever do anything wrong, how would you like what if everybody just rubbed everybody's face in their in their past? Oh, you'd have what we have on the world stage today. Troubles, wars, rumors of wars, conflict, people hating each other for no reason. People hate each other just because their skin's different. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine going up to Jesus Christ? You will meet your maker. You will die. Every human being. It's curtains. Sooner or later, fate won't negotiate how big of a star you think you are. You're going to die. so don't worry about it. Don't fear it. But you better fear what the things that you are carrying with you. And don't you dare ever consider carrying some racist beliefs or thought patterns with you. That you think you're better or you think you deserve a certain thing different than anybody else because of the color of your skin. Jesus Christ said, what? Jesus Christ be looking at you like, What? On the sixth day, I made a man and woman, and it was good. That's all the races. You think you're going to get a better seat in heaven because your skin is what color? <laughs> get out of here. Grow up, too. Mature up. It's all about love and compassion. It's not about about hate and divide. Ten. Ten. And thou, Lord in the beginning, did I read the, okay, and now Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, the heavens are thy works of thy hands, watch this, okay, you know what, I've been dying to go to, go to, that's uh, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, which I'm going to go to right now, and where's this verse out of, it? Psalms 104, okay, but let's just go to Genesis chapter 1, okay, we're going to clear up a lot of things, I'm getting too much mail about this, people telling me that there's two creation stories, the earth is 6,000 years old, blah, blah, blah. I'm telling you this is the easiest part of the Bible to read and it is the most uh, blasphemous part of the Bible. And there's no excuse, Mr. Pastor or Mr. Guy with the Backwards Collar, the church I went to, I'm not going to ever call you reverend because it's one of God's sacred spirits. Why didn't you teach us, me and my brother, this nine years you had to teach us And he couldn't even teach us the first two pages of the Bible. And most Christians are like this today. This is the simplest part of the Bible. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Created means is Barach in the Hebrew. It means created spectacular with order and beauty. It's the only self-sustaining planet in the universe that we have found. God created it. He loves it. This is a work of art. It is a jewel of the universe. Created okay, it doesn't say when. I don't see anywhere where it says, and that was 6,000 years ago. No, it doesn't say when. Science has proven all the fossils and remains belong to eternity past. Creation was a billion years ago, at least. Okay, period. The earth is billion years old, at least. It doesn't say when, it doesn't matter. It was a long, long time ago. God created the heaven and the earth. There is your creation story, one verse, one line, period. And now we get into the rejuvenation story, which was six, seven thousand years ago. Watch this. Verse two of Genesis chapter one. And the earth was the worst translation ever. It's misguided people for generation after generation. The word and the earth became the word is Hayach in the Hebrew. It only means became. And the earth became without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. It became. Well, what happened? Well, let's just go to Mr. Science there. Was there an ice age, Mr. Science? Yeah, there sure was. Was there a whole bunch of stuff, fossils and remains before the ice age? Sure, man. Here, come over here. I'll bonk you over the head with a dinosaur bone. That's something that is a million years old, proven. Science, good science. Thank you, Mr. Science Guy. Not Mr. Pseudo-science. Pseudo. Okay, so the earth became void and without form. Yeah, there was an ice age. God did something to the planet. And the Bible tells us what he did, but we're just going to go forward here because we know that the planet before the ice age in the tropics was all the way up to the North Pole because when they're digging for oil up there, up here in northern Canada, they'll put a drill down, couple hundred feet, whatever, even more. Up comes tropical foliage. What's going on here? Well, the Earth was much different. Obviously, God threw a fastball at planet Earth, and it was a like a, what do you call this things, asteroid or meteor or something, and boinked planet Earth, and it created a big dust cloud, and we had a big change in the atmosphere. Even the Earth itself is 10 degrees off its tilter, off the true north and off the magnetic north. And this was causing these weather patterns. Okay. The earth became without form and void, and that was the ice age. And the Spirit of God moved. Okay, so that's that's what happened. Okay, and then we have, here is the um, regeneration story. Day one, there was light. 24-hour day, sun up, sun down, moon night, 24-7, 365. There's day one. Day two, uh, there's an atmosphere here. Atmosphere going on. God's clearing up all the stuff that was in the sky that caused the ice age, blocking the sun. Okay? It's natural. God's doing it. That's day one. Or day two. Okay? Uh, He puts the waters back and he gathers them and dry lands appear. Okay. And day three. Okay, so we have land, we have water, and then day three God puts... He puts some foliage going on. We're going to try and create an atmosphere here, right? We have day one light, day two atmosphere... Day three, let's get some foliage going, okay? Day four, God sets the stage for this earth age. Oh, there's lights again. And uh, what do you think? This isn't a book about the sun and the moon and the stars. This is a book about the lights. This is unique light giver in the Hebrew language. Christ and Satan, God brought them forth, setting the stage for this age. We are the stars. There's day four, day five. Okay, let's get some buglets and some creatures running around here. Let's repopulate the world. Let's get whole self-sustaining planet going. Day five. Day six. Why did he wait for mankind the day six? Because no man can claim a share in the creation. Day six. There he goes. Man and woman, he created them to replenish the earth. Day six. There's all the races right there. And what's it say about the races? And it was very, very good mr racist go play somewhere else in your hate-filled little mind because it doesn't fit in with god's word god created it and he loved it and it was very good i have a whole self-sustaining ecosystem going here okay day seven god rests from achievement mankind rests from fatigue god rests from achievement there you have seven days. Always remember, one day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is this a day. That means day one was a thousand years. Okay, took God. Hey, just let things go naturally. God is supernatural; he does the things natural. Day one. Okay, let's let's clear up some of this stuff in the atmosphere from the comet that hit Earth, because he had to stop that age, and we're not talking about that right now. Why God's motives were for stopping that age, but he had to. Light and day. Twenty-four-seven, sun up, sun down. Day two, atmosphere. Day three, foliage. Day four, God sets the stage for this earth age. He makes us all line up. We all have to. We all have to be ready to be born innocent of woman. Once we pass through the matrix one time into this flesh age, sets the stage for this earth age. That's day four. Day five. Hey, we've got all the little buglets and all the little. You know, creatures and the animals. Day six, mankind comes along. Day seven, God takes a rest from achievement. He's observing, and then chapter two of Genesis, verse four. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth, in capital letters. This is your introduction to the Bible. These, this word generations translates. This is the family history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the days. That the Lord God made the heavens and the earth for this age, okay? This is the easiest thing. This isn't a creation story here. This is about there's no farmers. Okay, let's just read this. Verse 5. Every plant of the field before it became in the earth, and every field, every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. Okay? Okay. What's this mean? How could it not rain upon the earth? We got all this foliage. We got animals. What's just like desert? But also, how's it growing? Because we translate within the Bible. This is the easiest thing. What's our victory song? Everybody knows. It's Deuteronomy chapter 32. And this is a song which no one's ever, I've never heard anyone sing in church. But listen. Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak. O hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. My doctrine shall drop as the rain, my speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb and as the showers upon the grass. Because I will publish the name of the Lord, Yeshua Messiah, ascribe you greatness unto our God. He is the rock. That's our stability. His work is perfect. That's in the beginning God made the heavens and the earth. And his regeneration is all part of his plan. His work is perfect. All his ways are judgment. Watch your back. You better watch what you do. Watch yourself, your thoughts and intents. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. There's the rain he's talking about upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. There was no farmer. There was no... And who is the farmer? The chosen family to cultivate God's word. The chosen family... To plant the seeds of truth throughout the world. That's what we're talking about, the farmer here. God had to pick a family to do this, and he does. And in verse 6, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground, just in case you think otherwise that there was no rain droplets coming from the earth, even though he just said, I just created the atmosphere. I just created, like trees have to grow, they need rain. This is the region, this is the the family history now. This is not the creation story. This is the history of one man, Adam, Eth ha-Adam. the Christ line, Jesus Christ, Adam and Eve. I know you've heard of them. And no, she didn't eat an apple. Just, I'm not even going to read any more in this. This is about the family history of the Christ line, the people that are chosen, the family chosen to plant the seeds of truth throughout the world. And that's what this Bible's about. Even in capital letters there, the generations of of the heaven and the earth. The history of the generations. The family history. Okay, so there's Genesis chapter one and part of chapter two. Just the simplest thing. You teach your children that and they'll love you to pieces for it. Or you can teach them the earth is 6,000 years old or teach them all kinds of weird stuff from Genesis chapter one. Uh, I just, I really stress myself to understand how anyone can fudge that up. But it's too bad. Okay, 11. I pray for everybody equally. Believe me, I want everybody to come to repentance. I want everybody to enjoy reading the Bible. It's as simple as that. Let's go to verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 1. They shall perish, but they thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment. Yeah, man, we get old and die. That's all there is to it. Get over it. 12. And as a vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be char- are changed, but Thou art the same, and Thy years shall not fail. Okay, Christ was, Christ was, is, and always will be wrapped up in righteousness. Us, on the other hand, get wrapped up in the guile, malice, corruption, and sins of the ways and things of the world. That's our vesture. What do you wrap yourself in? The veil of Christ and Hedge of God. That's what you want. Not the ways and things of the world. They're just so temporal. They never love you back. They always. Cause frustration, disappointment. Oh lots of times of good times. Yeah. Good times. If you're one of the top one percent richest people in the world, which everybody in Canada, the United States is, what about the rest of God's children? Why are we so blessed? Because God gave us this word. Here I'm blessing you with this word, I'm giving you somewhere to sit and study, somewhere some outlet to listen to it. There's people on the planet that have no chance. And they will be judged like come on into heaven and it's a millennium it's a it's a priestly kingdom as it's written the millennium period a thousand years of great teaching for those who never had a chance the poor little african children the poor little uh, uh uh pakistani people that we love we love the indian people we love the chinese people the egyptians we love everybody on the planet come on and you didn't have a chance? Well, I had a chance and we jumped on it. And here we are, we're in the priestly kingdom with our Lord Jesus Christ right there. And we're all equal. We all feel safe. It's a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. But there's a thousand year period where people who have wrapped themselves up, whatever their vesture is, their clothes, they've wrapped themselves up in the corruption, malice, guile, ways of the world, the greed and gluttony, the entitlement, thinking they can buy their way into heaven, or just thinking they go to a hole in the ground. There's no inner peace with those people. We pray for those people, but the most of the spoiled people that are going to get judged, way harder. Are the people double blessed? That means Ephraim, and forgetful. That means Manasseh. People with egotism that they think they are their own God. Okay, what what vesture? You're going to get folded up like a cheap lawn chair, man. Your old cheap suit. Jesus Christ, his vesture never changes. It always is, was, and will be. It's the same. It's our. He is our rock. He is our only stability. Let's go to verse 13. Hebrews chapter 1 to finish up chapter 1. But to which of the angels said he at any time? I'm going to answer this for you right now because that's a question. None of them. Sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Matthew 22. Quoted from Psalms 110. And I feel like I'm missing something here. I probably have. My right hand I make thy, thy footstool. That's in the millennium period. You know what? He's giving us all a chance right now for repentance. He has to give us everybody a chance. God is fair. And he will judge accordingly. And please come quickly, Jesus Christ. All the evil in the world is perpetuated by Satan himself. And all the evil in the world comes from the human heart. And we nurse it along. And nurse it along. It's instigated by Satan, I should say, and perpetuated by us. People wake up first thing in the morning. Do they grab their Bibles? Do they hit the floor and give thanks for their next breath? Oh, they turn on the news. They check their phone. They look at these ridiculous news feeds. All uncertainties, anxieties, worries. You just feed into it. If nobody gave the devil power, this would be a place of peace beyond our present comprehension now, planet Earth. We have to give our power to God because he has to govern us. We can't govern ourselves and... Especially not with Satan above us, just playing a big game of risk with us. He doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about me. He's just, he just the Apollyon. He just wants to destroy things. Like all the wars and rumors of wars and troubles and conflicts and just all the finger pointing going on around the world. People should take that finger when they're pointing at somebody and turn it around, point at themselves. Take responsibility for yourself. Learn to say no to yourself in the face of vain curiosities, feeding your egotism with greed and gluttony and entitlement Jesus Christ didn't go around he didn't collect a dime he just humbled himself for us he suffered for us he died for our sins to reconcile God to us and for us to reconcile ourselves to God so we can coexist in harmony no guile no malice no corruption no blame no entitlement no egotism is allowed in Unload your camel, as Jesus Christ said, or you can't get in through this door. You can't get in through the needle gate. Unless you unload. 14 to finish up. Are we are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them? Who shall be heirs of salvation? Here's a question. Psalms one ten. Psalms one hundred three twenty. Now our heirs salvation heirs of salvation. Heirs of salvation. Who shall be heirs of salvation? That's us. That's your inheritance. You have to know how to claim it. You remember in Revelation chapter I forget it says we all get crowns chapter two or three somewhere, we get crowns. Our crown is a sign of our inheritance, our inheritance to have a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. That's what God wants for us. He loves us. He created us for His joy, for His pleasure, for His glory. Are you pleasing to God? You think that crown is going to get slapped off your head like some thugs just going to come around, just just slap it right off your head? course, you get ambushed as it's written in the book of Zechariah. you get ambushed as it's written in the book of Isaiah, the prophets, as it's written here. God told us. God, who at sundry times, many times and in diverse manners, many ways, spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, and then he sent his own begotten son, Jesus Christ, to talk to us, to tell us what's going on right now in the here and now. Jesus Christ tells us, the Bible tells us, do not be deceived. That's the first warning. Deception. Great falling away from truth. Great apostasy. Disbelieving in lies and at least in uncertainties, anxieties, fears, and worries. What's the second? Wars and rumors of wars, troubles, conflicts. Pointing fingers at others. Looking at others with disdain. Slandering others. The worst thing you can possibly do. Death sentence. God hates it. That's what Satan did to him. He slandered him, challenged his sovereignty. You're challenging God's sovereignty every time you think outside of the Bible. Every time you question the Bible, you're nailing Christ to the cross. Ask questions about the Bible. Read it. Earn your spot to ask questions and to learn. What's the third warning? Famine. Hey, there's going to be famine. Talks about the economy there. The third horseman, the black horseman of Revelation chapter 6. The white horseman, the first seal is deception. Great falling away from truth. It looks holy. It looks nice. looks believable. That's got to be right. These people look holy. They look right. They have crowns. They have a bow. That bow actually translates to a toxic poison that is aimed right at the iris of your eye. It goes right into your brain. Wars, rumors of wars. That's the red horse. Seal number two. Seal number three, the black horse. That's the economy, famine, the whole world, the whole course of nature is directed by the power of money. It has more power than anything. People wake up thinking about it. They run off to work trying to make it. They covet it, they personify it. They have wars over it. And then what's after that? We're in the famine, easily. The economy, the world economy. Who do we all owe all this money to? Why is Canada in such debt, in the United States in such debt? Have you ever seen those debt clocks or those debt digit-turner things? Up to trillion dollars, more than a trillion dollars we owe. Who do we owe? We owe the great treasure of the world, Satan himself. The kings with no kingdom, as it's written in the book of Revelation. Ten kings with no kingdom, the richest people on the planet. Just keep raking in money every second of every day. Just ding, 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 ding famine in the end times we're in it right now and what comes after famine lo and behold did god tell us Did jesus christ tell us all things pestilence pestilence is just another word for a pandemic why is anybody surprised why are you having any anxiety about this throw a mask on wash your hands who's riding this pale horse of pestilence it's not other than death himself. Another name for Satan, the devil, demons, evil spirits. And what's he dragging behind him? A big giant bus. It's called hell. It's dragging, the, dragging it behind him. Hop aboard. It's a huge wagon. It's got every vain curiosity, and vanity you could possibly think of that will pull you away from the truth. I do think the first four seals have been opened easily. It's right in front of you It's flashing in front of you I hope that brings you comfort Because it's nothing to worry about God's in control Submit with unquestioning obedience to the Lord And your life will just become easier It doesn't say anywhere it's going to be a cakewalk But you will never feel anxiety Uncertainty or worry Because there's nothing that There's nothing that will surprise you There's things that will alarm you And make you like uh, Uneasy like nobody likes COVID-19 Even though it's a patented, man-made disease, patented in the U.S. Patent Office in October of 218. Come on, tell me it wasn't released. You can. It's a hard one for me to believe. Jesus Christ said, after Jesus Christ said, there's going to be a pestilence, worldwide pestilence. We're living it right now. It's just partial and preliminary. It's a partial and preliminary part of the mark of the beast. The vaccine is. I'm not going to get into that today, but let's just uh, leave it at that. My name is Mike. This is the Companion Chapel. Uh, I want to thank you very much. Please support this podcast any way you can. Please promote this podcast. And as I said in the beginning, please play your part in the many member body of Christ. And I create this media. Please help with Post Media Solutions. That's your part in the many member body of Christ. I bring you a podcast today. If you could please just send, even $10 is only 30 cents a day. I'll bring you a podcast today that's 30 cents for a podcast, and you're really helping out. I want to thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening, and have yourself the greatest day. Bye for now.